Good morning, Rimrock Church. I'm so grateful to be here with you guys this morning and grateful to praise our good and gracious King. So we invite you guys to join in worship this morning. Good. 
come together and sing of God's goodness regardless of where we're coming from or what we're doing God it remains good it's always good court come on up you have some announcements to share with us this morning yes. good morning welcome everybody to church this morning and I don't mean the building I mean what we're doing here thanks to the worship team for bringing us into this time of awesome worship. My name's Court Herman. Uh, I'm a member of the World Mission Team uh, here at Rimrock. I'm also on the board for Hands of Love uh, USA, which is a Uganda ministry. I'll talk more about that here in just a minute. Um, we're thankful everyone's here. If you're a new visitor um, to the church, we have little cards in the backs of the seats. If you wouldn't mind filling one of those out, you can take it to the uh, table in the foyer there. Uh, we have a gift for you, and we'd love just to get to know you better and learn a little more about you, and you can learn more about us as well. Uh, it, uh, it does feel like spring today, and as a result of that, we're starting to set our minds towards that. And one of the things that Rimrock does uh, in the spring is Ikalaka, um, which is a, a, a kids' ministry. It's an awesome camp. I've been there several times with my own kids. Many people here have been there. Um, it's a camp for, um, it's for first through fifth graders, and it's an awesome camp up in Ikalaka, Montana. Um, this year... Uh, well, Rimrock's been going for a long time, but this year the, the dates are going to be April 28th to the 30th, um, which seems a little earlier to me than years past, but it's probably just the way the calendar fell. Uh, there's lots of fun activities, um, but mostly is, is the cool thing is that the kids come home with these awesome stories of just times of learning uh, about God and what he's doing in their lives and just building awesome friendships. Um, so it's a really cool weekend. Another really neat part of that is, is that parents are strongly encouraged to go along as well, um, which is pretty cool. I've gotten to see there's some really neat obstacles and different things, big zip lines and tire swings. And so some of those things are a little scary for kids. And to be able to be there and watch the other kids encourage and, and just to see uh, your own kids just kind of face these challenges that they get to do. It's super fun. So um, so that's coming up. If you have more questions about that, um, Boomer or Sunny Long uh, would be the two people to visit with. And in regard to that as well, there's a fundraiser coming up uh, for that. And that fundraiser, I don't see the dates on that. But anyway, it's going to be next weekend. Okay next weekend and so if your kids if you have a, a elementary student that's probably going to be going or interested in going we would just ask again probably get in touch with boomer on that they do uh, a fundraiser to help offset the cost for the trip so um yeah so those are two big things coming up uh, sooner than we probably realize um so i want to just share a little bit um i've sh we've shared a little in the past about uh, the ministry that we're involved with in uganda um it's been a really tough, uh, I'll say year, but it's really been a tough couple of years. Um, we, uh, I've been going to Uganda for um, 
well, since 2015. We're involved with a ministry called Hands of Love. It's a ministry that supports orphans in Uganda. Uganda is a country full of orphans uh, for many reasons, but it's just a, a, a lot of orphanages and orphans that are there. Um, we uh, had been teamed up with a, uh, an organization there over the past couple of years. Uh, we, we discovered some fraud and some corruption within that organization. And so we, as a, as a board here in, in the U.S., um, separated from that organization in Uganda and we decided you know we didn't want the kids to pay a price for that we decided we wanted to keep this ministry going if we were able to so we established a new board we set up a new foundation and um, I'm on that board with several other people here and then some people from Uganda are also on that board um, it's been a tough year because of that you know part of me wanted to just give up and and uh just kind of wash my hands of that but you know then we're letting satan ultimately win and why would we let you know somebody who's corrupt or doing those things ruin opportunities that these kids uh, desperately need so um so we have completely separated from that we have joined with a local church uh, there in uganda uh, the biggest thing we're doing is supporting the kids there to, you know, we, we sponsor them, we help them mainly get an education, but, uh, you know, you can give anybody an education, which is great, an education is what they really do need, but without uh, spiritual uh, growth and uh, understanding who God is in their life, you know, it's kind of a pointless ministry. So our goal is to team with this local church to help encourage and bring God into their lives so that they can see and learn more about that. So we're super excited to be teamed up with this church over there. Uh, we had gone from pre-COVID to about, two th there was about 2,600 students that we were supporting. We're down to about 200 right now. Um, which in some ways is kind of growth through subtraction, which sounds kind of weird, but it's actually been a blessing. We've got an awesome team over there that's helping us um, just uh, find the children uh, through COVID. The kids were dispersed and they were just all over the place. So we're actually still trying to locate kids over there, um, which in Uganda is a very challenging uh, endeavor. So I know many people have been praying and have been asking us questions, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, we encourage you, if you have any questions, please see myself or my wife, uh, Rebecca. We'd love to answer questions. Um, if you had been supporting a, a child and, and just hadn't heard anything, they've been sending emails, but I know not everybody have been getting those. So again, if you're interested in that, again, let us know. Uh, we can get you back in touch. Um, but more than anything, just thanks for your patience and your prayers through all this time. Um, you know, we, we definitely live in a fallen world, and, and it's unfortunate when we see these things happen, but um, on the same token, we're able to see uh, God at work in this, and we can, you know, take, take the bad and, and rise from that. So, um, again, if you have more questions about anything, please see us. If you're not on the email list and wish you were, we can definitely get you back on that. So uh, I'm going to pray, and we can get back to worship. Father God, thank you so much. For the blessings that you give us uh, each and every day, uh, we are so blessed. Um, God, thanks for this amazing, uh, beautiful Sunday that we have. Uh, thanks for this time together that we get to be here as a family and that we get to uh, just allow you to speak to us uh, through this worship and through uh, the sermon that you have prepared and that you will speak to us through Ben. Thank you for uh, just everything that we have, and we just uh, continue to lift you up in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
As I mentioned earlier, we get to celebrate and praise God for his goodness all the time, every time, because he doesn't change. And I think one of the things I love about this time together is it's a time to come together and remember who God is, to praise him, uh, not because of how we feel or not because of our circumstances, but to lift up God and just behold him recognize, remember, worship him for who he is. He is unchanging. He remains in control. He remains on the throne.
praise you and we thank you that you remain on the throne. God, we pray for Ben as he comes and just brings your word this morning. God, would you work in us, change our hearts, God, to desire what you desire. God, give us ears to hear what you have to say, and may we just respond to continued act of worship, God, in obedience and reverence. God, we love you and praise you. You just continue in prayer with me as, uh, as we sang those songs. Uh, that's the primary message of Revelation, that we would behold and look to see who you are, Jesus. That you are seated on the throne. That you are the lamb. That you are the lion. That you are the alpha and the omega. That you are the first and the last. That you are our hope. <laughs> you are our future. You're everything. Jesus. So Lord, help us to be still this morning, Lord. Lord, you are love. You are redemption. Lord, we come before you as poor, broken, sinful people. We recognize our selfish ways. We recognize, God, that there's so much in us that is broken. Yet as we behold you, We do not see condemnation, but we see grace. We see love. We see redemption. We see hope. We see a future for us. We praise you, Jesus. Hallowed be your name. May you be exalted in our hearts, in our minds, in this place. Help us to see. Help us to know who you are, Jesus, and to measure everything else to that reality of who you are. Praise your name. Amen. Well, welcome. <laughs> Those songs undid me this morning, and uh, just, I hope we don't miss the reason why we gather. is not to hear a great sermon or hear great music. It's to see who Jesus is. And he really came, and he really died on a cross, and he really rose again, and he really reigns in heaven on the throne and he really is accomplishing his purpose in this earth. I know it doesn't always feel like it. Um, some of you had difficult weeks. Some of you had things happen. You, some of you uh, woke up in the middle of the night this week with anxious thoughts, things stirring. But we need to be reminded of who Jesus is and that he will keep his promise. He will keep his word and he will redeem his people. He is saving you. He's saving me. He's saving us. He's saving this world. And there's so much evidence of it. And part of that evidence is us gathered in this place. Like, what else would cause us to leave everything else behind that we could be doing in our weeks? There's a lot of things that this world says is important, but we're, we're taking time to say, no, it's not that those things don't have their place, but we, we believe Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of us to adore him, to love him, to seek him, to know him, to hear his word. And so um, just our gathering is a witness of the reality of who God is, who Jesus is. Uh, we're going to be diving into Revelation 12 and 13. Uh, I just want to say a few things before we, we start reading. Um, 
Last week, uh, Nick uh, covered a huge, he did a, he did a phenomenal job covering this huge portion of scripture, and there's so much in it, but uh, chapter 11, and we're going to see throughout Revelation, there's these little glimpses of the throne room scene, of the heavenly scene, and we get little glimpses of, of what God is doing, and, and it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging for me, and I, I pray it's so encouraging for you um, that this book is really for our blessing, and we saw that in chapter one. It's for our encouragement. It's for our hope. Um, I hope you don't read Revelation and come away fearful, because one of the first things the angel tells John and that Jesus says is, don't be afraid. This isn't for our fear. This is for our encouragement. This is for our hope. And we get these little glimpses, and in chapter 11, uh, verse 19, we have one of those beautiful glimpses of what God is doing. Chapter 4 and 5 was one, and, and in chapter 7, we saw the worship scene. And in verse 19, it says, then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. That is, that is one of the most important verses in the whole book of Revelation. It's so important because it tells us who God is and what he's doing, that he's a covenantal God. And that means he's a relational God. And if you know the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see that theme that, that God makes covenant with his people. It's one of the most beautiful, most important things we can ever know about God, that he is personal, that he desires relationship, that he desires to be known, that he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him, and he loves us, and he wants relationship, and he's made provision for relationship. That's why Jesus on the throne as a lamb slain is good news. It's the best news <laughs> we could ever share, that God and all of his authority and power and holiness and glory is at the very core good and gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. And it's revealed in the person of Jesus. He's a covenantal God. And in that verse 19, it tells us the temple and in the center of the holiest of holies is the covenant. <laughs> is the covenant. And that is what God is doing. That's what he's doing in us. That's our hope and that's our joy. So we get these little glimpses throughout Revelation of what God is doing. I think it's important to read Revelationally not, Revelation not so much um, chronologically. I think there, there is some chronological time. There's past, present, future. But, but, it, but at the very core, it's theological. It, it's a revelation. It's an unveiling of who God is, who Jesus is. And, and that's why it's so important as we go through this book that that we understand these, these primary themes, these important things that, that God wants us to know and to hold on to. And in the first part of Revelation, when, when we see the letters to the churches, and remember, it's a letter to the church, to us, for us, the question to the churches was, you know, what about your first love? Remember the church in Ephesus. You've abandoned your first love. And remember what Jesus told his disciples, will I, will I find faith on earth? before I come back. And so this issue of our first love, how do we keep our first love? And then he ends the letters with the letters to the churches by asking, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Will you open it? Right? And, and that's to the church. Will we, will we open the door? Will we let Jesus in? Will we open our lives in the, to the reality of who he is? And then every letter ends with this statement, to him who overcomes, to him who has victory, Nike, I will give 
God wants to give, he wants to bless. So, so the question is, will we overcome? And so I think the rest of the book of Revelation deals with those issues for the church, for the people of God. Will we keep our first love? Will we open the door to Jesus? And will we overcome? And I believe we will by the grace of God. But that's what, that's what this book is about. And remember, we were told in Revelation 7 that, that we are sealed, we belong to God, not, not because of anything we've done, but because of the Lamb, right? That we are God's people in white robes, made righteous because of Jesus, washed in His blood. He makes provision for us to be His people. We remember who we are. And then we see that we're a worshiping people, that we're a people of prayer, and we're a people of witness. It says in Revelation 1 that we're lampstands, the church is a lampstand. The people of God are lampstands. We've tasted and seen that God is good. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so not only do we know who we are, our identity in the Lamb, we are worshiping people of God. We're people of prayer who trust God, but we are people of mission, a witness in the world. We have a purpose for being here to bring blessing, to bring goodness, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring redemption to this world. And we wrestle with this reality. How, as Jesus said, not of the world, but in the world. And I think we see that picture in Revelation of, of, of a world that resists God, that is, is, is against God, and we see the judgment of God. And so how do, we, how do we live in this world? Augustine has really helped me tremendously with this reality of, of who we are as God's people. And he wrote a book called uh, about the two cities, the city of man, the city of God. This was maybe... Uh, two or three hundred years after the book of Revelation was written. But he said the two most important questions to understand which city we belong to is, is not so much separating ourselves from the world. Remember what Paul told in First Thessalonians, the people were like, the church was saying, Jesus is coming back, so we're, we're just going to stop going to our work. We're going to stop doing all the regular stuff we do as human beings, and we're just going to go to church, and we're just going to worship every day, every night, and we're not going to do anything else. Remember what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians? He says, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> That's not God's intention. Don't be fools. He said, any man who does not work does not eat. He said, no, don't separate yourselves from your jobs and your schools and your places that you, uh, that you live. He said, no, no, go do those things. But what he addressed was our hearts. And this is what Augustine says, the city of God is is, is answering the question of our hearts. Do we love God? Do we love God above everything else? Or do we love self above everything else? That's how Augustine helped distinguish. He says, the, there are those who live according to man. On the other, those who live according to God. Two cities or two human societies. And so, Paul, so Augustine said, what God's vision wasn't so much that the church was totally separate from the world. No, we're, we're in the world but we're not of the world because he said the destiny of the one being is, a, is an eternal kingdom under God. This is to be the church, worshiping God, knowing God, belonging, sealed, worshiping, prayer, witnesses. We, we, we understand and believe that Jesus is Lord, <laughs> that he is on the throne, and we know who God is, and we trust him, and we place our lives under his authority. But then Augustine says, well, the doom of the other is eternal punishment along with the devil. And so these two realities exist in our world. We call this the age of tension, the, the now and the not yet. 
the reality that Jesus is on the throne. He's coming soon to rescue his people. But in the meantime, we live in this world. We go to our places of work, our work. We go to our schools. We go and we live in this world. But we belong to God. This is very helpful. All right, let's go to chapter 12 of Revelation. I'm going to read uh, portions, and then we'll, we'll just take little pauses to, uh, to reflect on parts of this. Chapter 12, verse 1, a great sign appeared in heaven. Now, we've got to pay attention to this. So John is helping us see that what he's going to say next is a sign. So there's uh, exit signs around this building, right? But the point isn't the sign. It, the sign is a tool to point to something that is true, that we need an exit. We need a doorway to get out of here if there's a fire or a tornado, right? We need a way to escape, okay? So a sign points to something. So there's going to be images here that point to a reality of how things are. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. This is Psalm 2. This is a messianic psalm about the Messiah coming and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So what's going on? It's a sign, meaning it's telling us something that's happening. Almost everyone who understands uh, and studied Revelation understands that, that, that the woman is not, uh, it's, a, it's a figurative picture of, of a reality, and either people have said it's Israel or the church. My personal belief that this is a picture of Israel, and I think there's some clues. It's the moon and the stars, the 12 stars. Remember the dream God gave Joseph in Genesis, right? It, it's a picture of the people of God as Israel, Abraham's descendants. And, and the reason I, I believe this is a picture of Israel is because we know that the Messiah came from Israel. And you can read the genealogies in each of the Gospels and you see that Jesus was ultimately a son of Abraham and a son of David. He was a Jew. He was a child of Israel. And that we were told prophetically through the prophets that the Messiah, the Savior of all nations, the whole world, would come to the people of Israel. And so I believe this is a picture of Israel. And if you uh, look carefully, this is the Christmas story, right? And so we have a picture of Israel, and Mary, a daughter of Israel, is chosen to give birth to a son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But we see right away that there is a dragon. And this also is a sign of, from Genesis chapter 3. Remember the serpent in the garden? <laughs> this is another picture of the serpent. And this tells us something very important that the dragon or the serpent is an enemy of God and seeks to devour the child. But we see God taking care of Israel and, and providing for her even in this 
great battle. So let's keep reading in verse 7. Then the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. Now, there's a, this is really important for us to understand that, that we're getting a glimpse into the reality that the world is both physical and it is spiritual. Remember what Jesus taught us to pray, that God, may your kingdom come. Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. And so there's two realities. There's the physical reality and there's the spiritual reality. And so here we're getting a glimpse into what happened in the heavenly reality. And there was a war. <laughs> there was a war. Jesus spoke of this war in the, in the Gospels when he said he saw Satan hurled out of heaven to the earth. We know from the book of Daniel, we're also showed the reality of the heavenly war. Now, there's a couple things I want you just to be aware of as we read this that are really, really, really important. Um, there's a false idea that somehow in the Bible that there's this equal force between good and evil. Uh, the Bible does not teach that there's an equal force of good and evil. <laughs> the Bible is very clear. There is only one great force in the world, and it's God alone. And there is no other beside him. Evil is not an equal force. And this passage tells us that very clearly. And Genesis gives us a clue that the serpent was a created being. A created being. That means there's one creator. But God created all his creation, including us and the angels, with freedom of choice. <laughs> Free will. He gave them the, 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 the opportunity to love him and worship him. But what we're told is that there was angels like Michael who, who bowed their knees and said, no, we will worship God alone. But then there were other angels, including what this uh, passage tells us is this dragon, which is called the devil or Satan, became an enemy of God and rebelled against God and led astray other angels. And there was this war. Now, notice who's fighting. God is not fighting in this battle. It's angels versus angels, right? But even Satan is not strong enough to fight against the angels of God. How could he ever stand against the creator, the one who rules all things? It's impossible. So hold on to that. Remember that. It's not two equal forces. God alone is God. But there's this battle. There's this war in heaven, and it affects us. <laughs> it affects us. Have you felt under attack this week? <laughs> Have you sensed temptation have you sensed that there's an enemy of your soul, that there's accusations, there's lies, there's things seeking to tear you down? Well, this passage tells us that war in heaven has come to earth, and part of the reason this world is the way it is is because evil has been unleashed in our world, and there is a spiritual force in this world that affects everything, that affects 
our lives. But here's the good news. It doesn't win. <laughs> it doesn't win. The lamb triumphs over him. The lamb triumphs over him. There's hope, but we're in battle. There's a battle. Let's keep, let's keep reading verse 13. Then the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half, and out of the snake's reach. Then from his mouth the snake spewed water like a river. And throughout Revelation, we're going to see water as a picture of chaos, evil, destruction, disorder. That's why in the end it says, in the heavenly new creation, there is no sea. It's because there's no chaos, there's no disorder, there's no evil. And so this is a picture of trouble to overtake the woman and sweep her away from the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. So Revelation 12 opens the door, opens the curtain for us to see this reality of a heavenly battle. And so when we read the, the Christmas story, when we read about the story of Israel and what's happened to the Jewish people, even in modern times, think about what happened in Europe with the Holocaust and Nazi Germany seeking to destroy Israel. And throughout their whole story, we see a picture of the devil's relentless attack against God's people. It's relentless, and we see that. But God helps, he delivers, he rescues, he protects, <laughs> he shelters, he keeps his promise. He's a promise-keeping God, and he keeps his promise to the people of Israel. Now, where are we in this? Look at verse 17. It says, the dragon was enraged at the woman enraged war against her and her offspring. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9 through 11, he gives us the theology, the understanding of this, that, that God has not abandoned Israel. He's kept his promise, his covenant to Israel. But God's heart wasn't just to save Israel, it was to save every nation, tribe, and tongue, every nation. He wanted all people to know him. And we see that throughout Revelation, every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so whether we're Jewish or not, Paul says that God has opened the way through Jesus Christ that all people might come to faith in Jesus, that they all might be called the people of God. And so Paul uses the picture of a, a tree stump and where the branches growing out of that stump, that that stump is Israel, and then we, the church, are the, the, the branches that grow out. In this passage, I think we are the offspring of the woman, that the church came out of God's promise to Israel out of what God has done through Israel he's brought the church through Jesus Christ and that we too are the offspring of this woman and look at who the devil is waging war against those who keep God's commands those who place their faith in God and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus this is the people of faith this is what Paul talks about in Galatians that the true people of God aren't just ethnically Israel, but also people who place their faith. And that's why we say, we sang that Sunday school song, we too are children of Abraham. We too are people of faith. We too put our trust and faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Paul tells us that we do not wage war against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not people. <laughs> 
Our enemy is not people. Our enemy is the devil. And he's tempted. And he's led astray many people. But we don't wage war against flesh and blood, but the powers and the principalities of this dark world. And so Revelation 12 is telling us the reality of the battle, the struggle in this world is because there's this battle in heaven and the devil has been unleashed for a time. It's a limited time. It's not endless. There's a time where God will put an end to it, but we're in a time of testing, a time of temptation, a time of struggle. And all of Jesus' teaching, read Matthew chapter 10. <laughs> read Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, it's gonna be hard. The devil's coming after my people, but I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna deliver you, but be aware. My dad was a pastor, and he'd always say, sometimes when we become followers of Jesus, we think we're getting on a cruise ship. But he said, the reality is we're getting on a battleship. <laughs> There's a battle raging, so we gotta think. Paul says to Timothy, don't think like, a, like, like a, a citizen, think like a soldier. Some of you have been soldiers. Some of you have been in the military. You know that, that this mindset, there's a discipline, there's a way of living. And we're to think like that. We're to be like that as the people of God. Let's keep reading, chapter 13. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns, seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head blasphemous names. The beast I saw resembling a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshiped the dragon because he had been given authority to the beast, and they also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. And all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world, whoever's ears, let them hear. Let everyone, anyone who's going into captivity, into captivity they will go. Anyone who will be killed with the sword, with the sword will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Remember, this is a sign of the reality of what's happening in the world until Jesus returns, both presently but ultimately fulfilled in the future. First John tells us that there's an antichrist. There's an antichrist coming, but John says it's already here. The spirit of the antichrist has already been released, and John wrote that 2,000 years ago. So what is this beast? I believe this beast is a picture of human kingdoms, human political realities in our world, human governments, human powers. Remember what the Tower of Babel was in the Old Testament? It's, the, it's one of the most pivotal moments in the whole story of God. In that story, we have this key moment where the, 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 the sin of humanity, the people come together, and, and there's a key phrase there. It says, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. And so the, the issue wasn't that they were building a tower or a city, but, but they were doing it, as Augustine says, for the love of self, 
for making a name for themselves. And so human achievement, apart from God, the Bible said from Genesis 11, it's called babble, confusion, frustration. We're going to see in Revelation that the name Babylon comes from the word Babel. And it's the city of man. This is mankind's effort apart from God. And this is the great temptation of the dragon to tempt humanity into thinking that we can build a tower, we can make a city, we can build a nation, and we don't need God. We can do it all on our own. And so this beast has pictures of the Roman Empire, but I don't think this is just talking about Rome. I think Rome became a type of the Antichrist, of the rebellion against God, human rebellion against God, and so here we have pictures from the book of Daniel that talk about human kingdoms, the leopard. If you go back in Daniel, many people have studied that. You can see these are human kingdoms, and Rome was one of them. But it wasn't the last one. <laughs> We've seen it. Read history. It's happened over and over where people came together, and it had many titles, many names. It takes on many things, whether it's what the North Koreans are doing, or in China, or in Europe with the Nazis and Mussolini, it has many names. It looks a lot of ways, but it has one common thread. It's the work of humanity against God. And this is a beast that the devil uses to try to destroy God's people and to destroy this world. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth, and it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. And it exercised authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed and it performed great signs even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast it deceived the inhabitants of the earth it ordered them to set up an image and honor the first beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and their foreheads, so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. It is the number of man. That number is 666. Now, what's happening here? It's not enough just to have political powers in this world. I believe the second beast is a picture of religious power, a religious power. Now, this is not a religiosity from God. <laughs> Who's behind it? The dragon, Satan. He's, he's constructing these things. He's deceiving people to believe these things. Now, now I listed a bunch of names of, of different empires, whether it was Rome, or the Nazis and Hitler, or, or, or what, what's happening in North Korea with the emperor worship. There's a political reality, but there's always a religious reality. Why? Because God made us physical and spiritual beings. <laughs> we are worshiping beings. And if we don't worship God, if we don't worship the Lamb, we will worship something. And people will pursue it. And Satan will use that to deceive. And so when you see the combination of political power and religious Language brought together, watch out. <laughs> Pay attention, church, watch out. And it takes many names. 
It can look left, it can look right, it can look a lot of different ways. And remember, Satan's a deceiver. He deceives us. He deceives this world. The founders of America uh, were deeply shaped by the biblical truth. And they understood that it was vital that there's a separation of powers. A separation of powers. Why? Because they knew of Babel. (laughs) They knew the human tendency to want power and authority, to try to create something apart from God. And brothers and sisters, we're all weak in this. We can all be led astray in this. So pay attention. Pay attention. When the world run by the devil seeks to bring together political and religious ideas together, that is, that is a recipe for disaster. And this is where I find Augustine so helpful. If that we are the people of God, and we are worshipers of God, and we are sealed by the Lamb, and we belong to Him, we order our lives to love God first. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. He said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul and hell. So brothers and sisters, when we read about the two beasts, we read about this not to be afraid. Not to be afraid that someday maybe we can't buy or sell. And and I I believe this is talking probably about a future because we're not under a a, a global religious political system. but, But there's evidence of this. In China, you can't buy or sell without certain markings, certain things. There's countries in North Korea. There's places in our world where we've seen this happen. It's happened throughout history. So we have to be aware of this, but don't be afraid of that. <laughs> the biggest message in Revelation is, don't be afraid of the beast. It can't take away our hope in Jesus. <laughs> He's on the throne. He wins the battle. We are victorious. We are overcomers. The people of God will get through this. Don't be afraid. Order our loves. Do we love God first? Do we worship him? Do we know him? Do we fear him above all else? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up as we've come out of time. And I believe probably one, the Old Testament book that shaped Revelation more than any other is the book of Daniel. And I think John had Daniel in mind as he's writing this chapter. What was it about Daniel and the Jewish people? They were in exile in Babylon, the city of man the number 666, the place where man tried to rule. And remember what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? He said, look at my glory, look at my power, look at what I accomplished. And what did God say to Nebuchadnezzar? He says, even as he said these things, God said that he was gonna bring, he was gonna humble Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar needed to acknowledge that God alone was the most high, that he was sovereign of all kingdoms. And so Daniel is a picture of worship, belonging to God, praying. He's a picture of hope, even in Babylon, even in exile. And I want to close with this prayer of Daniel. And maybe this will be our prayer today as we sing. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. Remember verse 19? God's a covenantal God. 
with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned and we've done wrong. We've been wicked and we have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes and ancestors, to all the people of the land. And then he ends the prayer by saying this. Now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make a request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. The name of the Lamb. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word this morning. I don't know who needed to hear it this morning. And uh, try to cover a lot. But Lord, I just pray that we would know who we belong to. And that, Lord, we would bear your name. And that, God, our lives would be marked by our love for you. And that no matter what happens in this world, in this life, that we would look to you, that we would behold you and that we'd see who you are, and that we'd find great hope and great encouragement in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.
Pray you guys have a great week, and uh, we'll see you Wednesday and see you next Sunday.